they have to do their own work. Like you have to get to know yourself. You have to get to the depths of your own pain, your own triggers, because otherwise what we do if we don't learn to navigate our own stuff is we won't know what to ask for from our partners and the people we're in relationship with because we won't even know our own sensitivities. And when shame drives the car, it drives it with reactivity and secrecy and self-sabotage. And so when we get to know our own pain, then we can go deeper within ourselves and then we can hold more compassion and space for someone else. You know, the majority of us date seeking someone else to affirm our worthiness. We date someone else to fix us, to choose us. And when we do that, we then get frustrated when they don't and we, our self-worth goes out the door if they go out the door. And really this is about being able to sit with oneself becoming best friends with oneself that way when you enter relationship or you're in one you won't seek them to complete you you'll already be whole and then you'll take that whole version of you and step into an invitation of a separate entity that you create which is a relationship and you'll also invite and empower your partner to take care of themselves too because you'll need to take care of yourself Welcome to the Pave Your Paradise podcast. I'm Mandy Ross, international media personality, speaker, writer, life cheerleader, and coach. Each episode, I'll share a guest or an idea to help you blast through your limiting beliefs, nourish your soul, and connect with yourself to take your relationships, health, business, and life to a next level. We don't play small, we're meant for great things. We take our struggles and turn them into slam dunk successes. This is the place for you to create your best you so you can pave your personal path to paradise. Are you with me? Let's do this. Hello and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to Pave Your Paradise podcast. If you're new to the show, I'm Mandy Ross, host of this amazing space for you guys to up-level your relationships, your health, your business, and your life. And I want to know how you're tuning in right now. Are you guys on a walk? Are you driving? Are you working out? Or are you just listening for some soul, body, and mind nourishment? Or are you tuning in with a friend, loved one, or partner today. Please let me know by sharing your tuning in experiences on your posts and stories and tagging me, Mandy J. Ross, and Pave Your Paradise, and let me know. So major news for you guys that I shared a little while back is that I started a Patreon page, so it's now up and I'm ready to serve you even more through it. There's lots of additional resources I'll be sharing for you to join the official Pave Your Paradise community where you'll be receiving tons of self-growth, self-love, and self-compassion tips, techniques, and tools for your personal development toolbox, also to connect with me in live group calls and coaching, plus be supporting the podcast and, of course, myself to raise awareness on self-love and compassion and connection, so please visit my page at patreon.com slash Mandy J. Ross. Boom! And now I'm thrilled to feature a very special guest on today's episode. Mark Groves, otherwise known as Create the Love on Instagram, know some of y'all out there are following him right now, who's a human connection specialist. So many of you have reached out about relationships and intimate connections in particular, so I'm so happy to bring you a leading expert on the topic. 
Plus, y'all know how passionate I am about connection, love, and relationship chat. Mark Groves is a human connection specialist and speaker whose purpose is to help individuals and companies step into their most authentic, effective, loving selves by way of his bold, no BS relationship guidance. Mark brings complex academic concepts and research to life in a fun and relatable way, empowering teams and companies to transform the way they work, produce, and relate. He loves tacos, hiking, and making people laugh so hard that they can't help but pee their pants a little. So guys, I'm super stoked to be featuring him and his amazing work, and I also get to offer you guys his incredibly life-transforming breakup recovery course and boundaries program today. If you want to turn a new page in your love life, overcome past relationship wounds, and open your heart, these programs are for you. Most importantly, if you're craving expansive, healthy, true love in your life, please check out Mark's amazing content, and y'all know I'm a huge fan myself, to create big and magical love in your life. I've created links below for you guys to join. So Mark is a human connection specialist and speaker, content creator, and no BS love expert, and so much more. We actually met through social media when a mutual connection spoke highly of his content. Upon following his Instagram and consuming his next level straight up posts and discovering what he was all about, I knew I had to have him on the show for you guys. His title, Human Connection Specialist, is quite perfect for him as he is an aficionado in the world of love and relationships. Because of his background and own personal transformational journey of love life experiences, he's full of insight and inspiration. He's someone who I completely appreciate and respect for what he's creating in the world, especially the positive impact he's having on the awareness of connection we have with ourselves in intimate bonds and with others and offering solutions to those who are struggling. His strategies and advice for creating true love is practical, articulate, and can have a huge positive impact on your life, so I had to share them with you guys. I want to continue bringing on expert guests that will help you, inspire you, and empower you. And Mark Groves is a breathing, living, walking example of paving your own path to paradise. We dive deep in this episode into his personal love life journey, including his most recent breakup, proactive measures to deal with trauma and healing your pain points, conscious uncoupling, how to create a partnership that is magical, because we all know ain't nobody got time for mediocrity. We go right into what it takes to have next level relationships in your life and how to tune deeply into your heart to radiate and attract true healthy love and so many other love focused topics. So I hope you all enjoy this interview as much as I did with Mark Groves. Thank you so much, Mark Groves. I'm super stoked to have you on Pave Your Paradise podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. I love your energy. And the first question I always begin every podcast interview with is, what was the first thing you did when you woke up this morning? Man, the first thing I did was I thought about how grateful I was, or am, am, not was, but at the time I was, uh, for being on the right side of the grass. Yeah. Mm. And aside from work, what gets you up in the morning? Mm. 
Mm. I think just the privilege to be alive, the privilege to breathe, the privilege to get to participate in this dance, in this human expression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what has been the highlight of your week so far? I know you, you said you were busy body, but what has been the highlight of your week? You know, I had a uh, meeting this morning with the people who work on my team with me. And I, that was the highlight because I get to be with people who so, care so much about what they do and about people. And it was such a beautiful mirror to like the moment that I chose to do this work. And then now to have people who do the work with me and to have a company surrounding that is just like the ultimate gift. Oh, that's so beautiful. I think it's so important who you surround yourself with, especially when it comes to work atmosphere. Um, as I know, you are the connection expert. Uh, definitely want to be connected with those who you are surrounding yourself with. And Mark, I know there's so many listeners out there who follow you on social media. But for those who might not know what you're about or even some who do follow you but are not really that aware of your background, would you please share a bit about yourself, your background, and your story with my audience? Wow, yeah. So my work is centered around human connection and how we connect and why it's so matter and why it matters so much and what makes us good at it, what gets in the way. And the you know, I was good at that just sort of probably from many reasons, from influence from my parents. My father's a really good communicator, really emotional intelligent, so is my mom. Um but my dad was always like a connector, very community oriented and same again with my mom. So those skills were sort of learned just by being. And then when I was growing up, when I was in my 20s, I had a relationship that ended and I was in sales. And I remember when my relationship ended, I remember thinking to myself, like, why am I so good at talking about everything but my feelings? Like, this is a skill set issue. This is something else. So. I started to dive into the science of, re of relationships because I really wanted to know like why this one thing that is more important and has more impact on our lives than anything else, why are we not taught about it? And why am I so good at relationships that aren't romantic? And why do I not have boundaries? Why do I feel like a doormat? Why don't I express my fears, my pain when I'm being treated poorly? And yeah, it was a, it was the beginning of a, beautiful and now long journey because that was a while ago uh, into myself and into human behavior. Mm. So let's go back to that. Let's go back to, I'm all about going back to move forward. Sure. <laughs> and so that, that particular relationship obviously was um, it stood out for you. And now was it because you guys broke up that it that it threw you into this self-discovery mission? Or was it whilst you were in that relationship that you were having issues and then you thought to yourself, well, hmm, maybe there's something here that I can that I can work with? It was definitely when the relationship ended. <laughs> it was not in it. As so let's dive into that. Tell us about it, because I'm sure there's lots of people out there listening who can resonate. Well, I think breakups are really the invitation to meet who you really are, that when your heart is, you know, someone said to me, like, how's your broken heart? What are you doing for it? And I really immediately just thought, and this wasn't back then, because I wouldn't have thought this, 
but this was more recently because I went through a breakup in August and continue to go through it. Um, I just really thought like, I don't have a broken heart. I have an open heart. And that for me was just a shift. I didn't even know that I thought that way, but I almost got like protective of the idea that it was broken and more so that it, it's not broken. It works really well. It loves really well. It's just that it is open. And when you're open, you feel everything, including loss. And that's not bad. It's a beautiful thing. And so the breakup, though, at 27 was I got engaged to a really wonderful woman. And I didn't know why I didn't want to marry her. I didn't know why. I didn't know why I was so afraid of marriage. I didn't know why I was afraid of everything to do with relationship and it just didn't feel right. And I didn't know why that was true either. I think I was afraid of that, that I didn't have a reason. And so that breakup really put me into some form of rock bottom that really made me look at my life and think, how did I get here? Like, how do you get to a place where you're engaged and you didn't really want to be? And yeah, like how, how do we look at relationships in our lives and not see that there's an incredible amount of dysfunction around us? You know, mm-hmm. people don't know how to be in a relationship. They don't. And, and for the most part, because we learn from our parents, we learn from other humans who struggle too. And so for me, it was a very big learning. It was a big like wake up call to say, hey, you haven't been choosing your life. You've been doing what you're supposed to do. And I really felt that pull from my soul that was like, if you don't take control of your life, you're going to end up living someone else's and you're not going to like it. And I felt that really deeply. And that was the, so when you were 20, you had the first initial like major imprint of the breakup and then you did some self-discovery. And then when you were 27, you had a separate uh, relationship that resulted in becoming engaged and then while you were engaged so before you got married you had this big conniption kind of uh yeah a conniption yeah I guess it was a conniption yeah (laughs) conniption happened to you and that's when and did you just break it off like did it like how did that happen like did, did something just did something happen and then it came to you or did you just have this kind of epiphany one morning where you want, like, what the bleep am I doing in this? Like, this isn't even what I want. Like, how did that, tra- that how did that all happen for you? Well, the, I mean, you are right. I did have a breakup at 20 um, that rocked me, but I did, that wasn't what woke me up. That I would say in a lot of ways that put me to sleep. Um, that breakup. When you, sorry, just so we can clarify. So when you say put you to sleep, do you mean like you repress that? Like you didn't really do a lot of deep diving after that breakup. It was kind of like, okay, this happened. I I can see it, but I'm just going to keep moving through the motions kind of thing. I mean, no. Yeah. I was 20. I mean, I went through the breakup and I thought I, I mean that, that like I'm, I'm invincible kind of. No, no. That relationship ended with betrayal. You know, she, started another relationship. There was a lot in that. And what I did unconsciously is that I made it mean that when I love people, they leave me. When I open my heart to people, they lie. When I love people, I lose myself. I don't honor myself. So Ah. 
that unconsciously drove the car for a long time till at 27 when I got engaged, I woke up to the fact that I wasn't paying attention. And that began a long journey of learning about love and relationships and then realizing in my 30s that I had ran from everyone who could love me since I was 20. So, mm. so if we could, if we can go to that exact that to me is some golden nuggets. And I always say these on your post too. You have so many golden nuggets of wisdom. I think there's so many people out there who honestly are listening right now who might just be in a relationship where they're not 100% sure what the heck they're doing. So to me, like there's so much insight that can come from how were you able to discover while you were in that engagement that this isn't it. Like what, what was that process like going through your head and your heart? Well, I went, as I think we all do now, I went to the internet and I looked up, how do you know if she's the one? And then back then there were was way less resources, you know, than now that was 14 years ago. So 13 years ago. So there was way less resources, you know, back then you would have found maybe a couple articles um, and some forums, but that's what I did is I posted my story on a forum and then a bunch of people gave me advice. And the beautiful thing was I got objective advice because no one who gave me advice on that site was connected to the outcome. No, mm -hmm. no one was influenced by what I chose. And that's why when you ask anyone for advice, find people who are not affected by the outcome because even unconsciously they'll give you advice to minimize their own pain and disruption. Absolutely. So for me, that was, um, the journey of beginning to just ask really hard questions and think to myself, like, look, like I didn't know why I didn't want to choose her because she was a really fantastic woman and still is. It was just that I didn't want to, and I didn't know why. And I had to take a giant leap and end that relationship because I had to, I mean, I could feel it in my soul. And mm -hmm. I don't know that you really get to know the answer till you leave. You know, it's kind of like I get asked often, how do you know the difference between fear and intuition? And to me, because fear and intuition often become enmeshed when we're kids, you know, like we're afraid of something and our intuition tells us to move away from it, then they become the same thing. So Sometimes you have to leave something in order to figure out that it was intuition or that it was fear. You only know the answer once you've done it. So most of us, though, if we were to leave a relationship that was good for us or we really should have chosen, um, we, get, we get shame because we're like, oh, but now I can't have it back or they'll never take me back. I made a mistake. But what they're <laughs> missing is that they only know that in the context of the choice they made. So... They only have that information because of the bravery and the courage it took. And then they shame the part of them that woke them up, the part of them that made the choice, instead of thanking them for the beautiful level of wisdom and knowledge they just received. And then what happens is they're not, they're so focused on their past and changing it that they don't see that in their future is very likely something waiting for them that is inviting this new version of them to show up. But they get so caught in wishing to rewrite the past that they don't allow the present and the future to unfold. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful, uh, I have this door metaphor. It's kind of like that, that new door waiting for you. But if you just keep focusing on that other door that closes, 
you literally are just wasting what could be, you know, meant for you. And I, I know that I, I feel like you and I share that philosophy that, you know, it, it isn't until you, you let go of something that you're truly able to reach for something greater. Mm. And so much of our time and energy gets spent on assessing and I'm all for reflection. I think that in life, it's so important to look back and learn from what you've you've hopefully gone through and grown through, hopefully. But and you can take obviously your wisdom and your lessons learned from that. But it's not about staying stuck in that. You need to keep moving forward. You literally need to move on, move forward, move ahead, and not without reflection, but to keep going so that you can keep working on yourself to get to that next level of that deeper, that more fulfilling, that more uh, just beautiful type of relationship. And I think what happens is a lot of times we say so stay so focused, unfortunately, on the past as well, that we forget that the most important relationship we ever have is with ourselves. And it's only when we can redirect that energy that was being put into that past relationship back into ourselves and, and really filling our own well of love within then that, that next level relationship that exists in the future can also benefit from that as well. Yeah, totally agreed. And so I know you do a lot of work around, I think a really popular topic, even with my coaching clients and just in general um, is boundaries. Mm -hmm. So would you care to share some of your, uh, your insights and your wisdom around boundaries and relationships? Well, most people don't have good boundaries. That's pretty much true for almost everyone. Um, I mean, there's some pretty good markers that you don't have good boundaries or if you feel tired, if you feel burnt out, if you feel resentment. Resentment of any type, 100% mm -hmm. of the time, indicates that you need a boundary um, because it really, if you resent someone or something, you resent that you put them ahead of yourself. So that, that's always a sign that you don't place yourself ahead of that thing, um, which doesn't mean that, the, which is different than compromise, because a lot of people say then, well, you know, if I resent my child because I don't have time to myself, I still have to raise my child, obviously. So sometimes it's about asking for support and asking for help so that you can create time for yourself. That's the point. It's not about abandoning a responsibility. It's about asking for support to prioritize self. And... I mean, if you feel like you give a lot, if you identify as an empath who's taken advantage of, that's a pretty good sign. Um, <laughs> Not guilty. <laughs> totally guilty. Well, yeah, all, yeah, all of the above. I can. I can, I just want to say too to everybody listening. I'm not joking because it's a funny matter. It's not funny because you know I totally have been the empath in in a narcissist and empath situation. It's definitely not fun when you are within that dynamic of a relationship whatsoever. But in retrospect, I do believe the relationships we have are meant for us in order for us to learn so that we can evolve into the next version, the better version of ourselves. So I, I don't regret the relationship, but I hear what you're saying as far as, yeah, the empath situation, get it. <laughs> when I think anything we, we regret we just haven't learned from yet. Exactly. You know, so when someone says to me, like, I always date assholes or I always date narcissists, I mean, the real question to then ask is, why are you a match for those people? 
because yeah, why are you attracting those people? Yeah, because that's ultimately because when we say something like we identify as an empath and I just draw in energy vampires, it's like, yeah, but that just that identity alone, because, of course, I think people who are highly sensitive, which I Mm -hmm. think all people till they learn not to be. Yeah. uh, which can be a learned survival strategy is to shut off your sensitivity, which is not what you want to do. You don't want to shut off your empathy. You want to, mm-hmm. you want to curate what your empathy has access to and what has access to it. So most people who identify as empaths are really codependent. And so it's, it, you might identify as a healer or someone who is drawn to helping people. I mean, any sort of caretaking, healing modality, coaching, therapy, nursing, naturopath, doctor, Anything that is about, if you work in HR, you know, you likely are someone who cares a lot about other people. That's not a bad thing. It's just, it's an amazing thing. It's a skill. And our sensitivity is our superpower when it's guarded and protected, when it's honored. But, you know, like when people identify as empaths or overtly sensitive, they have an overdeveloped inner child and they haven't developed the part of them that is the adult, the warrior, the person who actually curates what the child has access to and what has access to the child. And that is really what growing up is about. But Ugh. most of us get stuck in that space. Totally. It's about becoming empowered and not playing that and also not playing the victim. Right. So, you know, as you said, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of I know a lot of the paper paradise people listening are probably going to resonate more with being empaths and highly sensitive individuals, hence why they're, you know, tuning in every week. But that's the thing. It's like, I, I know that I do identify about that, but it's about having the awareness around it so that I am better equipped, you know, for the next relationship that comes into my life to know that I, I can use it as a superpower and also just to be aware. And it's funny because we, we just spoke about boundaries. I think boundaries are the key, like literally the key to be able to not have things like codependency come up as, as prevalently in those relationships, because you're right. Like I do think that we're all born very sensitive and things happen to us throughout our lives that unfortunately shut off or, or make people feel afraid to have that hypersensitivity towards people or things in their lives. And especially the most intimate relationships. And my one, one thing that I'm very curious um, with your opinion on, because of the work that you do. Can you speak on what you found in all of the years of coaching and just being immersed in connection, what the correlation to mother father dynamics are and how that affects us when we go to be in intimate relationships in our lives? (laughs) I know I'm loading her up there. (laughs) Well, the correlation, for example, to our boundaries and our childhood is often we leave childhood either being allowing too much to pass through. You could think of a secure boundary being like a sleeve that only allows certain things to come through and keeps up unwanted objects or a straw. You know, that's a good way to think about it. So it curates what has access and what gets out of us. So there's two sides to a boundary. One is containment. So we're not bulldozing. So we're not oversharing. And the other one is protection. So we're not taking on other people's shit. So a boundary is really a line that delineates what is me and what is not me and what I feel and what I don't feel, what someone else feels. And so in childhood, 
I mean, that could take on many forms. Um, often, the reason that we don't have great boundaries is because we either we grew up in a home where the needs of one person was what the family system pivoted it around. So if there was like an alcoholic or a drug addict or someone with a chronic illness or an over, you know, a brother or sister or whatever, or a, a person who took up a lot of the energy of the family, then the family pivots around their needs. And then what happens is other kids in the family don't tend to develop their own identity and their own needs. They might take on the role of caretaker. They might take on the role of, uh, rebellious teen. They might take on the role of um, uh, like wanting to be a high achiever or a perfectionist, to be noticed, trying to get performance-based love. And they might take on the role of being very critical because they were very criticized. The other side could be if there was no parent around, how could you develop your own individuality? You know, because no one was there to listen if you had a need. So when we end up in family systems like that, which is most family systems, um, then we don't grow up knowing what we need and what we want. And so if you don't know what you value and what you need and what you want, you'll make your life about other people's needs and wants because you'll find your value in that. Or you'll be an isolated island, right? You know, that saying, no man is an island. Mm -hmm. We either allow too much, which would be called a porous boundary, or we don't allow anything which would be a rigid boundary, basically a wall. And so in one of them, we're connected to other people, the porous boundary, because we allow so much, but we're not protected. We don't feel safe. And in a rigid boundary, we are not connected to other people, but we do feel protected. So they end up being this, we usually pivot from one to the other. We allow too much and then we react and push away. Or we just have really good boundary, or sorry, really strong walls and we call them, we call ourselves individuals. I'm independent, but really independence without some form of interdependence is isolation. Mm. It's easy to get lost in that, you know, because look at what we've learned growing up. We observed women lose themselves in those 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I mean, name a time, you know, and that's true with the patriarchy and where people's needs and voices were women were disempowered to have their voice. And this isn't always true, and it's sometimes true. It's just like with men in that model as well. Both people took on self-abandonment for the family system. Maybe the man went to work 100 hours a week and did a factory job or a job they hated, and so they're not following their dreams either. So both people self-abandoned for the sake of the species, essentially. Yeah. And so we're in a time now, though, where we, we watched – many waves of feminism and if we observe feminism it was about don't depend on a man don't need a man there's a lot of songs about that you know <laughs> yes there are right and if not curated you know it's easy to have all your shit figured out when you're alone um and so many of us i think that's the trick to relationship the real thing we need to learn is how do i hold on to myself and be in love and that's what yeah. you do because yeah. we know how to it's, I, I, Yeah, I, I completely, I feel like so many people out there can res resonate with this too. And I, I mean, I'm one of those people. Um, and I know that you've learned this through your own experience. It is, it's so true. When I'm alone by myself, it's so much easier because I'm just responsible for me. But it's like to have to interact in an intimate way and connect with somebody else. I mean, that just brings on so much more. <laughs> it's another person you're trying to merge lives with. Oh. So 
So, right. I, mean, I, I mean, you've made your life's, life's work around this, Mark. And I'm so great. Honestly, like I could, I could personally just talk to you for hours and hours and hours because this is totally my jam too. And I love connection. Mm-hmm. I want to be respectful of your time. And I know there's so many things we can touch on. I think it's for me more than anything. I mean, I have lots of questions I'm going to ask you, but uh, I really would love to hear straight from you from the heart, which I know you're all about given the time that we're in right now and all of the people that you work with and you come across and just yourself, you know, growing through everything you go, go through with your relationships in your life. I'm not going to ask for the best piece of advice because there's so many things you could talk about and say, and I'm sure people would be grateful for every single one. What do you think is most needed for people to hear right now about having healthy connections in their lives? they have to do their own work. Like you have to get to know yourself. You have to get to the depths of your own pain, your own triggers, because otherwise what we do, if we don't learn to navigate our own stuff is we won't know what to ask for from our partners and the people we're in relationship with, because we won't even know our own sensitivities. And when shame drives the car, it drives it with reactivity and secrecy and self-sabotage. And so when we get to know our own pain, then we can go deeper within ourselves and then we can hold more compassion and space for someone else. You know, the majority of us date seeking someone else to affirm our worthiness. We date someone else to fix us, to choose us. And when we do that, we then get frustrated when they don't and we, our self-worth goes out the door if they go out the door. And really this is about being able to sit with oneself, becoming best friends with oneself. That way when you enter a relationship or you're in one, you won't seek them to complete you. You'll already be whole. And then you'll take that whole version of you and step into an imitation of a separate entity that you create, which is a relationship. And you'll also invite and empower your partner to take care of themselves too, because you'll need to take care of yourself. So because that's a high value for you, you'll need that to be a high value for them. And you'll encourage that they prioritize themselves, take alone time, go on girls trips or guys trips or, you know, with their friends that will matter to you instead of being threatened by their own self care, you'll be empowered by their own self care. A lot of people get triggered and feel like they're not important because their partner prioritizes themselves, which really it's because we don't prioritize ourselves. So the trigger in the trigger is the answer. They're making us uncomfortable because we don't know how to choose ourselves and they do. And then we're afraid that they'll choose themselves and leave us because we need them to be chosen. You know, that's a long answer. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, you said that remarkably, actually. I think you said it very simply enough for people to really grasp that. And I think that's that's imperative. It's it's a matter of merging yourself with another and really empowering one one another to care for the relationship and build that beautiful, uh, you know, not necessarily marriage, but basically that beautiful relationship together. But you need to still maintain your separate identities. Like you're still always going to be an individual. You're two individuals trying to merge. So you need to keep who you are, but also you guys can build this beautiful thing together. And, you know, one thing like I'm, and I'll just put this out there. Um, one thing that I, I think I am really good at in, in my intimate relationships that I've had is actually making, because I, as you said, I think that's very true that if you don't, if you don't make it aware in your relationship that you 
are prioritizing your self-care rituals and routines and, and that kind of work. I think that sometimes if someone doesn't, is, is not um, used to that, then they can take it personally. So one thing I've really gotten into the habit of saying to any partner who I've had is, look, I need you to please understand that I need time just for me. It doesn't mean that I want time away from you, but I need to take time for me in order to be my best me for you. And I think that's really important to make that differentiating, uh, you know, statement with your partner so that they don't feel as though it like, like this is an, again, I'd love your two, two cents on this. I've always found like when you were talking about the completeness and the wholeness and all of that, one statement I've always like the Jerry Maguire movie, when he came out and said, you complete me, I freaking, and I hate to use that word, but I freaking hated that. Even as a child watching that movie, I just wanted to like spit. Like I was like, Oh no, no, don't no, She does not complete you. You need someone who compliments you, not complete you. you. You're complete. And you're working on your completeness as your own self. And you guys should just compliment one another. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I found, you know, at the time, I'm sure most people other than you thought that was so romantic that they wish that someone would come into a, you know, living room and say, <laughs> I met my wife and, and come fight for them. Um, but it's interesting, right? Because when we believe that someone else completes us, then we believe that we are not whole as we are. And ultimately what boundaries do is they pervert, preserve wholeness. They draw a line around who we are. And so we don't believe we're whole because we don't have boundaries around us. So we don't know what that feels like. And in this aspect, in this part, you know, it's as you said, it's like this idea of completing someone is ultimately codependency that we, yeah. you know, like if our partner's upset, we're upset. We can't delineate our relationship status and how our relationship is from our own happiness and well-being. And if you look historically, uh, it's especially true for women, but it's true for men, too. And now people, you know, of all ranges is that they're taught to put their self-worth in their whether their relationship is good or bad or whether they're in a relationship or not. I mean, that's, yeah. if you look at it from an evolutionary perspective, it just ensured the continuation of the species. The unfortunate thing is that we continue this narrative when we say to someone, hey, what's, uh, why are you single? I mean, just in that question alone is that there is something wrong, wrong with you. Yeah, and, and I mean, look at as a society, we celebrate, um, we celebrate anniversaries over anything else, which is indicating that we value relationship length over everything, and yeah, and relationship status. You know, if you're dating, then they say, uh, you know, uh, um, when are you getting engaged, and when you're getting engaged, when you're getting married, when you're married, when you're having kids. So. We have, a stat, we have a hierarchy of relationship status and we also have a hierarchy of relationship length. You know, but you could, have, yeah. you could have a three-month relationship that was more transformative than a 15-year relationship. So time to oh, yeah. determine everything. I'm sure it's one marker of relationship success, but it's not the only marker. And it's the one we don't... We would rather you be with someone for 25 years and hate them than be single. And that's sad. 
That's really sad. That- That's really sad. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I, I can picture people and situations in my head as you're speaking going like, whoa, cause I, I know I've seen couples and no judgments like this episode, absolutely no judgments to who, whatever you feel like doing out there, whether you're with someone or not, or it's complicated, whatever the status status is, no judgment. But yeah. I, 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 I totally feel you on that. It's, it's unfortunate, I guess. That, yeah, you know, I I, just as you were saying that I'm thinking like, yeah, how many marriages have we celebrated or weddings have we celebrated that end up in divorce? And yet people are still more looked down upon if they're still single by a certain age. Yeah. And I certainly don't think that it's bad to celebrate anniversaries. No, no, no. Of course not. Yeah. And I'm not saying you're saying that. But I think the important thing is if you're going to celebrate it, what we often do is we like celebrate this anniversary or this wedding when we know that the partnership is actually quite destructive, you know, or the couple's not great, which is, again, it's not our job to tell people to not get married or not be together or not. That's not our job. But our job is to not live by the old systems that keep us imprisoned. So if you find yeah. yourself feeling shame from being single, really feel into where that comes from, because you only feel shame if you're single, if you place your worth not being single. Otherwise, you won't. You'll learn how to be in your aloneness. You know, loneliness comes from the belief that someone else will give you something that really only you can give yourself. So there'll only be a temporary Band-Aid from your own pain that you're afraid to sit in. When you can sit in your pain and get to know it and get to understand that maybe people didn't pay attention to you as a child, then all of a sudden you're now in a completely more empowered place where you won't try to find someone else to Band-Aid it and then you'll be able to love them unconditionally because you won't be afraid of the space they might leave if they leave. <laughs> You're so bang on, Mark. Oh, I love it. Okay, you know what? I think it would be fun to do this. Uh, there's, I'm going to break this into three categories. So there's the dating stage. There's the actual connected, you're in the relationship stage. And then there is the breakup stage, which I know is kind of really in the forefront of where you're at right now but take me through let's go through this kind of little story together and maybe talk about each of the stages and how someone can best equip themselves based on what you're doing with people right now through coaching and your programs like what's kind of the best I don't want to say the best advice but kind of the words of wisdom you'd give people on how to navigate say the dating world then once you're in the relationship and then you know, when it comes to that breakup, let's, let's really focus more on the breakup. Cause I want to talk about your program and all of that stuff then. So maybe give me some, some good, good nuggets of wisdom for the dating. And then once you're in that relationship stage, what, what words of wisdom you'd want to share? Well, they become a symbiotic relationship in that who you are while you date evolves into who creates the foundation for who you are. So who you are when you're alone becomes the foundation for who you are in relationship and how you hold on to your own identity while being in a relationship. Because there's major healing that happens from building your own identity, figuring out what you value, what you need, and then creating boundaries around them. Well, most people have their shit figured out till they get back into relationship and then they go, holy shit, I don't, I had all my stuff figured out and now I'm losing my mind. And so that's where, where we start dating is a really good opportunity to practice what we've been building while we're alone. And then, when we're in relationship to another, can we express our needs? Can we express our boundaries? Can we heal our triggers? And then 
if your relationship ends, because while you're in relationship, that's what you learn. How do I grow who I am, honor them growing themselves, and grow and feed the relationship? Most people ask questions or say things like, I'm not getting what I need from my relationship, as opposed to asking themselves, what would my relationship need from me in order to feel that way? And Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's say, let's repeat that because that was really brilliant. What, can you repeat that last part? Yeah, so most people state that they're not getting what they need from their relationship rather than asking themselves, what does my relationship need from me in order to feel that way, be that way? That- what does my relationship need from me in order, so you're, you're, not, um, you're not playing a victim, you're actually acknowledging that you need to give in order to get. Yeah, that you're not just trying to get something from your relationship, that you're actually putting deposits into it, that you're investing in it, that it's not just some entity that gives you feelings. You have to do things with it to get it to feel a certain way. Um, And that once you get to that state where you're operating, where the relationship is a separate entity from who you are, then you're still maintaining your individuality. And when you're maintaining your individuality, then you still maintain attraction because no one wants to have sex with someone they blame for losing themselves. And so that's when we're in codependent long-term relationships, desire drops because there's no space between us and another. We don't have boundaries where there's no boundaries. It's kind of like reminds you of your relationship with your dad or your mom or both. Well, yeah, you know, so it's, it's, you feel like you've lost yourself. Well, you don't want to have sex with someone who you blame for losing yourself even though it's really not their fault. You gave yourself away. But that's a whole other, that's taking the role of responsibility rather than the role of victim. Mm -hmm. And then if your relationship was to end, well, your relationship, your worth doesn't live in your relationship status. Your relationship contributes to your life and you contribute to your relationship. But if it ends, you also have a purpose. You also have a community. You also have a self. So you don't lose yourself. They, they don't walk out the door with you. They walk out the door and you still have you and you have some healing to do to complete that part of yourself that now might feel pain and grief and suffering, which is normal. And you get to know that part of you and learn the lessons from your relationship. How could you have shown up differently? What could you have done differently? What's it asking of you so you never end up in the same place again with the same mistakes? Because we all make mistakes. So, but they only become... Uh, once they're a mistake the first time, and then if we don't learn from them, they become choices. Even mm-hmm. They're unconscious choices often. And that's, that's when you're talking about the pattern of, you know, quote unquote, the empath that always attracts the energy vampire or, you know, the whatever the case may be. It's like that pattern of dating because there's a lot of people that say like, oh, I always attract these, you know, unemotionally available men or I always attract these, you know, uh, I don't know, like uh, women that are have girl attitudes or whatnot or immature or whatnot. So it's kind of like until you learn the lesson that you need to learn that your soul needs to comprehend and grow through you're going to continue the same patterns in every single relationship that comes into your life yeah like the only people that find emotionally unavailable people attractive are emotionally unavailable people so okay now you're getting into the mirror which i honestly this is one of my favorite concepts that you talk about is that and this is okay i have a question too that i'd love you to shine some light on um as far as some insights so here's here's a kicker for you so you are single 
hypothetically you're single. Now I know that you, you are a, um, a believer in, and I completely am as well that your relationships and your partner acts as a mirror because it's only when you're in that union with someone that you can have that reflection and the triggers will come and they will literally be a mirror for you on what you need to grow in yourself. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you know, because inevitably you're going to have those things that you're, you know, no one's perfect. Everyone's a work in progress. So you're two people who are a work in progress. How do you know when it's time to actually go from that really solid foundation of being on your own and single to having done the work to actually being ready to step into a new relationship? It's when you get to a place where you're not trying to dis when you're not installing a dating app and trying to date as a way of distracting yourself from your own growth. So we know when we're doing that, it's so obvious we install Bumble the day our relationship ends. I mean, that's so fucking obvious. But we, when we're using another to mask our own pain, we spread our pain because we just carry on the wounding. Mm. Oh, mm-hmm. You don't get to know your pain and your grief and your suffering and get to know it and learn from it. Then you'll keep spreading it. And that's that saying, hurt people hurt people. Oh my goodness. I literally, you have no idea how many times I've said that in the last little while, especially, but I love that saying. When I think the opposite of it is very true, which is healed people, heal people. So, oh, and, but we're always like dancing between healing and hurting, you know, cause the work's never done. Always. But that's just it, Mark. Like, how do you like, cause I know you are a, you know, quote unquote connection specialist. Like how, how, how do you know that you are healed enough to enter a union with somebody else. And okay, I know the example you used was very like, that's pretty extreme. Like, of course, when you just break up and the next day you're on Bumble. Okay, I totally get that. But say you've been single for say some time, you know, there's no like crazy relationship that you've just gotten out of. How do you know when you're actually ready to fully join partner in partnership with somebody and that you're not going to bring those deep rooted wounds with you that still need like major healing? Like, how do you know? Well, first off, you're gonna bring your wounds with you. So, yes, for sure. Like the wounds for sure. But I'm, I'm talking like the ones that are really deep seated that maybe you're not even aware of yet. Like how, how do you, how can you consciously know when you're ready? What we do is we, so we gain more knowledge as we begin. But the way that I like to help people differentiate between their fear and their intuition is pretty simple analogy, which is imagine if you're at your workplace and you get offered a promotion. If we know the feeling when a promotion feels like we're being thrown into the fire and it's going to require us to learn a lot and to grow and to really step out of our comfort zone, but we know we can't say no to it. We know that it's the next step, but it's terrifying. But then there's another type of job, which is getting offered a, a, a job that might even be a promotion but it sucks, it feels heavy, it feels like it's not in the direction of your passions, of your dreams, it feels like you might be staying the same or even shrinking to get into that position. So the difference between those two is one is inviting your expansion and the other one is not. And so most of us can figure out what that feeling feels like at work. You just have to feel into your body and then check in for the same feeling with dating. If it requires your expansion 
and you to face your shit that and you're going to have to grow into it and learn, then do it. If you feel like it feels heavy and you're not ready, don't do it. But the other thing to keep in mind is that all relationship, all pain really occurs in relationship to someone or something. And that's where it gets healed. So you might have your stuff sort of sorted and you've been navigating, been reading books and you've been doing courses. But all of that builds a beautiful baseline of skills for when you get into love, when you get into relationship. And so your triggers are going to come. The big difference is who are you when you're triggered? You change how you respond. And in changing how you respond, you change the outcomes of your life and you change how you feel about yourself. Everything becomes this beautiful symbiotic relationship where the, the pain and suffering from relationship, you learn how to navigate single. And then when you enter relationship, you learn how to heal. And that's why relationships are such a beautiful gift because you will never find a faster way to your own evolution than facing your bullshit through the eyes of another person. Because you know that the impact of not growing means you might hurt them. You might hurt yourself. And you likely will because that's how life works. But if you could take that pain and use it to fuel your rebirth, your transformation, your adulting, your growth, I mean, it's the greatest gift in the world to turn to another person and say, thank you for helping heal this with me. I mean, I, mm -hmm. yeah. Such, such an amazing gift. And I, I do really view connection as such a beautiful blessing and it really is. It's the, it's the greatest blessing that we can be, aside from just being alive, having connection with one another, with another is the greatest blessing on this planet. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. I'm totally nerding out, by the way, with all of your responses. I'm like sitting here like, oh, I love this. And I know everyone listening is as well, because you're just so brilliant what you do. And I really, really want people to understand more about your work. But I also want them to know from a personal level that you're not sitting, you know, you're not sitting there, Mark, and, and you know, you really do walk your talk. And I would like to go a little bit as much as you feel comfortable. And if it's okay with you, I would like you to talk through um, your recent breakup and how that correlates also to the course that you're offering for others right now on breakups. Um, because I think it's really, I think there's just so much we can draw from and learn from, from your personal journey. And, you know, I will just say from an outside perspective, you know, having seen the the way that at least your relationship looked to an outsider, it looked like you guys had a really loving and supportive and nurturing um, union. Mm -hmm. So to hear of you breaking up, especially being a connection specialist, it was a little shocking. Um, and I would love just as much, again, as you're comfortable sharing about it to kind of walk us through because I think there's a lot of people out there right now who might be in relationships and, you know, seeing someone who they look up to or they resonate with ending something that looked so beautiful and so healthy and so, so compatible and knowing when to pull that plug, like knowing when to actually walk away and let go. I think there's so much wisdom we can gain from hearing your personal experience. Yeah, I know. I appreciate all of that. Um, I mean, the big learning is I remember when my relationship first ended, my friend said to me, um, you know, what are you going to do with your brand? 
And I was like, well, nothing. My brand is who I am. I don't hide shit. I don't pretend to know anything I don't know. And my brand and my message and my life, because they're all synonymous, is to always be connected to truth. So for me, that is more important. Like if I all of a sudden had my relationship end and now I'm in a sad, deep depression and I'm worried what other people think, then one, I make what other people think of me more important than what I think of me, which is why most people abandon themselves. And mm -hmm. also I would make my relationship status more important than my connection to my own heart. So. Oh, that's so beautiful. Just that alone is like, oh, that makes me want to cry. I'm not going to, uh, but so beautiful. Well, that really guided my process of the relationship ending. You know, um, I always was very intentional as was Kylie in sharing the truths of our relationship that we never um, wanted to paint a picture that we weren't both human that don't come with two separate paths. Then those paths interact with each other. We spoke on stages together. We created a course together. We always made it, made it very intentional because it's so easy for people to see someone's Instagram um, and pedestal the other person. But the moment yeah. you put someone on a pedestal, you make them not possible for you to be like, which I'm not saying that people should have wanted to emulate or be like us, but I think a lot of people um, do that where they make a celebrity above them. And when you do that, you make it so you are not able to be at the same level. Whatever yeah. that means, I don't mean it like a hierarchy, but. No, no, I understand. I we, totally, I get you. We were always very mindful to be open about our own conflicts and our own struggles. And that's why during the relationship closing romantically, I was very um, inspired, uh, although reluctantly, to <laughs> share what I was going through and just keep my heart open, you know. And, and that, I mean, comes back to that idea that when someone says, you know, what are you going to do with your broken heart? I, I don't have a broken heart. I have an open heart. And that, mm -hmm. and that means catching all of life's pains and all of life's sufferings, but also catching all of the love. And that process of our relationship ending has been a really beautiful invitation for me into grace and into navigating an ending in the way I never have with conscious intention and wanting to honor her and honor, also honor myself. And our, we did a closing ceremony which I've never done before with any past partner. And it was beautiful. It was scary and it was hard. And when you're- Wow, you know what? I have to dive into this because I've seen this, like I've heard of this uh, recently about a, a number of couples who've done this. So please, if you don't mind sharing as much again as you feel comfortable doing, um, I'd love to just kind of hear like what that experience was like. Like, did you guys, obviously you decided that you were going to, part ways you know romantically and then did you like did you plan like what what was that ceremony like yeah I mean fuck it was hard <laughs> there's no yeah. other way to say it I was terrified of it but I knew it required my expansion and I knew it was something that I was afraid of because it was unknown and it was scary and it was filled with a lot of feelings and so you know we we, I looked up, how do you, what is a closing ceremony for a relationship yeah, like? I mean, like, I'm just trying to understand, like, is this like a, a seance on the beach? Are you burning <laughs> all your love stuff together? Like, what does that look like? Well, we 
created, I sent her some ideas and then we created the space together. I mean, I put a new week in the breakup recovery course, which walks people through how to do it. And really, we just created a sacred ceremony, which was not meant to sound woo woo or anything like that, but more so to be Uh like connections are sacred and love is sacred and partnerships between people are sacred and a follower of mine gave me a great analogy. She said that her therapist said to her that you should always leave a relationship as if how you leave when you sell a house, that you repair it and bring it back to its greatest form before you walk away. And that was really a great metaphor because for me that was I wanted to restore what I could restore. And I wanted the space that we shared, which was so beautiful and you know, there was a lot of feelings in it, of course. And the closing ceremony had a section where we talked. The first part was, what are we grateful for about each other? What do we appreciate about the other person? And we just took turns. And sometimes one person had more than one thing to say. And we just sort of sat in that space together. We burned sage before we started, or Palo Santo. And then we lit a fire. And we walked through that. And then we, the hardest part was... The second part, which was, what are your favorite memories? And that was really hard. Oh, man. Yeah, I I almost want to tear up just thinking, like, what that process would be like, especially being that you guys are hypersensitive as well and so open. Like, that that would be really challenging for sure, really emotional. Oh, my God. It was so hard. And then (laughs) the last part was, uh, what, what do you hope for the other person? And what do you hope or wish for your friendship moving forward? And to be honest, that part, I could hope for what was to come for her. But I said to her, uh, I don't know how to get to platonic friendship from here. Like, yeah, I've not built that road with you. So I can't tell you how to get there. So yeah, it's just gonna did you guys have did you guys have an element in there? Because I've read like a, about these ceremonies and just like the, the process and the steps and everything. I have two follow up questions for this one in that ceremony. Did you guys express what you I know you said the memories was one element, but did you guys express um, like what you had learned from one another, what you learned about like through the relationship? And also, did you guys express to one another what didn't work, what you found to be sort of the biggest pain points so that you could draw from that and learn from those those lessons? Uh, no, we didn't make the ceremony an intentional space to clear. I don't think that it is the space to clear personally. I think that okay. it's sacred in its closing. If you want to clear, you separate a second time. Um, if you want to apologize for something or forgive something, you can do that, but you can't put anything on the other person in that moment. You can't say, well, you did these things, um, because then it, it takes away, you can take that to another time, but that's ego getting in the way. So, so this was completely just the celebration of what you guys had, had gone through together. Yeah. Cause I mean, on coming up to the relationship closing, we had talked about what wasn't working you know why they should just closed so that had been spoken about with respect and and clearing and then it went to another space where we um it went from that to uh you know in the appreciation and gratitude section i mean that's that was really a lot of like what have i learned from you what am i grateful for 
Yeah. Um, so you could add it in there. I mean, it did come naturally through that. Um, and yeah. there was naturally clearing that has happened throughout the relationship ending where it's like, hey, this is not sitting right for me. This is, I need to clear something with you. So I think it's just separate from the closing ceremony, but it's not to say you can't do it. I mean, uh-huh. I we certainly have done that. And now, uh, gosh, about three weeks ago, I just uh, set a boundary that I didn't want to communicate anymore. I I was, oh my goodness. Like talk about a psychic, like we're totally vibing at the, on the same frequency right now. I was just going to ask, what, as, as you are the connection specialist, what was your boundary or what were your boundaries after the actual ceremony of like you literally parting ways? Because I think for a lot of people, myself included, I'm always curious and having gone through, you know, relationships myself, it's one thing to make the break or leave or do whatever to like end that tie. But it's also the after that sometimes is even to me more important about, about, like just preserving and taking care and healing yourself during that time. So like what boundaries did you put in place? I mean, I didn't want to communicate anymore. So for me, keeping access um, to her was not healthy for my own healing. I knew that. And so I honored that, you know, and the question I always ask myself when I'm trying to determine something like that is, do I want not want to communicate because I want to punish her or because I'm, or because it's actually proactive in my own healing. And I already know the answer. That answer comes to me very quickly whenever I check myself. So again, it's like, is it inviting expansion or is it inviting contraction? It was inviting expansion to ask for space. So I did and um, expressed that and, and just set a very clear boundary that I don't want to communicate. And that for me is um, my healing, her feelings are very important to me, but my feelings are more important. And that's, it's not to say that I'm putting, I I would ever do anything to hurt her, but I'm, if my own boundary hurt someone, that's not on me. That's the whole point of a boundary. (laughs) Well, that's just it, right? Like, and that's the thing when you're in partnership with someone, when you do a disservice to yourself, when you don't honor your true feelings, you are inevitably hurting your partner because if you don't honor yourself, then you're not going to be able to show up fully as the best version of you. And that's going to, to hurt the relationship in the long run, inevitably. Yeah. I mean, for, for when, you know, the, the whole point of, I mean, this just really comes up in breakups because people are so prone to self-abandoning. The whole point is, do you, you love them? Yes, but you have to love you more. Yeah. You know, oh, which, yeah. Which is not saying you don't care about them. And so many empaths and codependents get lost in that. Like, I don't want to hurt them. Life hurts. You can't protect people from pain. Yeah. When you rob yeah. people from their emotional experience, you rob them from their growth. You try to protect them from feelings that you don't like sitting in. So, yeah, you don't that's want so true. So true. So for me, all of this is all about like, what do I ask other people to do? I can't sit on Instagram and ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. So I do everything I say, Uh, you know, really what came from this breakup for me is just such a sense of urgency in life, which is I'm not here to fuck around. You know, I'm not here to love average. I'm not here to mess around. No, no. Okay. From your mouth straight up, my saying that I think you'll appreciate 
There's no room for mediocre love. It needs to be freaking magical. Exactly. And, <laughs> and like, I look, I, back, love it. I look back and I'm like, I loved it really well. And so did you. Yeah. And that is the ultimate testament is to say, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing. And that's a gift. That's a gift. Such a gift, Mark. Oh my goodness. You've bestowed so much wisdom already. Um, so this is obviously all of the above is what is in your new breakup course. Tell us about it. Yeah, the breakup course I actually designed in May, ironically, I think in February, <laughs> um, you know, creating what we need. I wonder but, what your soul was feeling. Yeah, right. Creating what we need. And um, essentially what it is, is I took the five stages of growth and then I took the five stages of, um, or sorry, the five stages of grief. And then, and I created it over five weeks and it's meant to rapidly progress you through those. Not saying that your healing's done in five weeks. It just really walks you through so you can get to acceptance as you grieve and as you experience anger. And because there's uh, denial as well. Denial is one of the hardest ones to move through because if you're denying what's true, then you're not connected to reality. And when you're not connected to reality, you can't change your life. So when the process is, there's five weeks that I walk you through and I also aligned it with five weeks of growth. So each mm -hmm. stage of grief is invited with a stage of growth. And then you, you get an email in your inbox every day with a video from me just to sort of like keep you moving to say like, Hey, like we're in this together. This is about you. This is about your growth. This is about your expansion. Put yourself first because that's what breakups do is they are rock bottoms to get to know yourself, to get to love yourself, to finally, what I love about them, and I know that sounds weird, but whenever anyone says I'm going through a breakup, I'm like, amazing. Let's see what the fuck happens here because magic. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So, Biggest opportunity for growth in relationships for sure. Yeah. So in it, it, it is about taking this moment because when you are in a space of breakup, people will be more accepting of your <laughs> boundaries because they're like, Hey, you know, they're kind of on one right now. Like just let them go. And that's a great chance to reinvent yourself. That's a great chance to become who you always are. And so that's really what the breakup course is about is healing you through that, but giving birth to who you are, giving birth to your best self, not accepting mediocrity anymore. Like if you look back and you ask people like I, you know, there's one part of the course where you look through your past relationships and you, you actually create a list of everything you want. And then you look through your past relationships and you rank not only yourself according to the list, but also all your past partners. And you'll see that most people live in the space of about 30 to 50% of what they actually want. And that's usually quite shocking to people because they think that when they realize what they're settling for, they realize that that's the standard they've set for themselves. And when you set a low standard for yourself, then that means you have a belief that matches it, which means you believe that you're worthy of that standard. So, mm, Absolutely. The self-worth component is just, it's that, yeah, that needs a course on itself, I think, for a lot of right. people. And it's funny when you say the word settling too, one thing that I learned a long time ago that I swear by settling down is not the same as settling. No, gosh, no. And, and <laughs> like so far from one another, but I think that there is unfortunately this negative connotation that like, Oh, I'm settling down, settling down. You should not be settling. If you're going to settle down, like, let me tell you, if you're going to make a foundation for like an absolute future with somebody, Please do not settle. Let's just get that out there. 
Now, there's a big difference between magical settling down and just settling. Yes, there's a big difference between settling down and settling for. And there's a great quote I just read from, oh gosh, I wish I could remember the author because it's so beautiful. And it said, um, be patient. Uh, miracles take a little longer than settling does. Ooh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yes, they do. I always say anything worth it is worth the wait. Yes, absolutely. I want the audience out there to get to know you personally. Um, I know we talk so much about your relationship side of you, but let's flip it to the individual because we know that's the most important part of you. So what do you wish you'd known when you first started out? If I look back, the one thing I wish I'd known was to live my life for me earlier, to not live by the rules and systems that were created for me. Mm, that's a beautiful, beautiful, uh, yeah. I actually had this conversation with somebody yesterday about just how the education system that's currently in place is so unserving to children nowadays because there's no cookie cutter way to teach or learn. And so one system for everybody is just, it does, it's ludicrous to me. So I totally get it. What compelled you to become who you are now, like as a coach and a connection specialist, what compelled you to become that? Mm, there's a great saying that you become the teacher you seek. And so really I just became what I needed. I learned and continue to learn uh, to fill the gaps, to, to, to continue to develop the skills I wish I had had when I was younger. And so it's, it's like there's always a former version of me that is asking the future version of me to learn something. And so that's really kind of the present moment is that space between um, honoring what I don't know and learning through being, you know, in some sense. Absolutely. Now, Mark, what are some of your daily habits that you swear by for success? And I also will just add this on. I'm a huge fan of morning routines and I'm actually obsessed with them. So I would love in that daily habits, what if you could describe also what your master morning routine looks like as well. Oh, my morning routine is all about waking up, breathing in the air, being gratitude, having gratitude for being there just for being alive. And then it moves to, I live right by the ocean. So often it's sitting down in front of the water and just being, just experiencing it, not bringing my phone with me. Uh, my morning ritual is about coffee. <laughs> I love coffee. <laughs> my first coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my uh, morning experience. I love coffee. And uh, yeah, I'd say that's, that's my daily sort of ritual. I think the one that I need most is just time with myself. Yeah. Not a big shocker. Oh. <laughs> um, and what self-care and spiritual rituals do you love to practice? Oh, wow. Those are always evolving. Self-care, exercise, um, meditation. I do meditation in many ways. I do it through forest walks. I do it through paddle boarding. I do it through surfing. I do it through sitting. Um, also, I usually consume some sort of content every day where I'm learning. Um, and that teacher that I listen to is always changing. Um, I would say that. Uh, but spiritually, um, it's been more about I've been listening to this one teacher who I really have been loving. And uh, she said something that was so resonant for me not that long ago that was 
uh, silence is who you are. So that's been really Oh my goodness. Silence is who you are. Those five words can change people's lives. Yeah, that's been really resonant for me. So I've been sitting in that space of sitting in silence and just getting to know that space, the void, the, which isn't a void. It's uh, filled with lots of things. And, you know, she talks about how silence is where everything is born. It comes from silence. And so silence is something. It's who you are. So that's been, I mean, my spiritual practice has been evolving. I grew up Catholic, so I'm not a big fan of um, organized religions personally. Um, I find that they create more shame and pain than they heal. Uh, with that said, uh, the baseline of all religions is beautiful and born of prophets that were never meant to be uh, divisive. The mm-hmm. We're always about seeing people with unconditional love and accepting everyone, but their messages have been twisted to create exclusion and power. And I'm personally not a fan of that. Oh, my goodness. I, I feel the exact same way. I, I, you might resonate with this. I often say love is my religion. Yeah, for me, I agree. It's the exact same for me as like, I did this one exercise, I remember in a book I was reading, which said for the day, see everyone through the eyes of Christ. And I mean, you can't look at another even and I was on a plane that day. So you can. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Real test. And uh, I really enjoyed that. It was a really beautiful opportunity to see everyone through the eyes of compassion. And that's really like, You know, the ultimate test for me that I learned in this past relationship was, can I love someone no matter what they choose? And I can. And that was a beautiful gift. It was like the moment I finally saw that my love didn't follow and didn't come with conditions of whether they chose me. You know, it was that I love them regardless of whether they chose me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, too. You said the word compassion because... I've gone through a major, I've gone through a lot of different transformations this year in particular, and the term self-love, I haven't been resonating actually as much with that term as I have been with self-compassion, because when we really boil it down and peel those onions, sorry, those layers of onion back of our emotional body, it's really self-compassion, I think, that most of us are trying to get to. Like self-love can actually be very off-putting for people who need self-love the most. Mm-hmm. So by virtue of changing the word to compassion, I actually, I personally resonate with that more. But I think that's really what a lot of us are just trying to seek is that, that inner compassion for oneself, but also being able to extend that compassion to others. And that's, that's how you can also have those next level, those high quality uh, connections. Yeah, exactly. Compassion and just compassion for your journey and compassion for mistakes, compassion for being human. I mean, if you don't meet yourself with grace, how could you meet anyone else with grace? Mm, So true. So true. What are you curious about right now? Mm, I'm curious about spirituality, about being connected to something greater than ourselves. I'm curious about death. Um, and the impermanence of life. Um, I'm curious about how that actually, if we turn towards it and acknowledge and embrace our death, that we are actually more free. There's nothing to lose when you know you're going to die and you accept it. But we're sort of living in this existential escapism that we are numbing ourselves from the truth. And when you accept the truth that you're here only for a time, a short time, 
right, then what do you have to lose by becoming yourself? What do you have to lose by speaking the truth? What do you have to lose by having hard conversations? What do you have to lose by not following the fucking rules anymore? You know? Oh, absolutely. If not now, then when? It's like that, con- that, that it's, it's a different mindset, I think, of that fearlessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, not fearing, you know, the inevitable that, you know, we have this, this life. And I really do believe full heartedly in the fact that you keep talking about honesty and truth and, and living your truth, because all progress starts by telling the truth. If you can't express the truth that is you in this very moment, you can never progress. It's, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. I agree. But what's something you failed at? Caveat. I know everybody views the word failure as something to be interpreted. So when I'm asking this, it's whatever you can interpret it as however you want to communicate what failure even in itself means to you. But what's something you would describe as being something that you feel like whether or not you failed at? Hmm, I fail all the time. You know, I think it's a, when you're open to quote unquote failure, then really, you're really just open to expansion. You know, a lot of us think that if I choose something and it's the wrong thing, then I got to start over or they're working on their triggers and then they get into a moment and they choose something wrong or they date someone who's not good for them again. They then get, they then get shame and say, I chose wrong again. I'm back at square one, but you're never back at square one because there's always knowledge if step one, it brings you one step closer to different information, then you're not at step one again, you're at step five, you're at step seven, you're at step 10. And we forget that the evolution just continues. Um, So for me, I fail all the time. I think, what have I failed at more recently? Um, I think that in my relationship, I learned that I came sort of eye to eye with the fact that I failed to see that I learn somewhere along the lines in my life to tolerate ambivalence, you know, and to settle in ambivalence, to hold space for people who don't fully choose me. And that was a really tough thing to come to terms with because that's long before any relationship thing. That's, you know, when I was a kid, I learned that somewhere. And so when I came close, you know, that's why the word failure, I guess, comes with so many caveats is Uh that certainly not a failure, but I think sometimes we can feel as though we failed ourselves when we learned something. Yeah. Yeah. There was a quote recently I heard that really resonates, which is it's not that we fail. It's that you're, you either win or you learn. Yeah, that's exactly it. And that's why wisdom and awareness always makes you go through the shame train of when you didn't know what you now know today. So you look back on your life and you see the Rolodex of all the moments that this new information could have been used to change the course of your life. But what happens in that is that, you know, as I said before, we miss the beautiful opportunity to accept that now you have this information. So if you're to turn towards your future, I mean, my gosh, you're connected to the truth. You're grounded in reality. It's just that we have to grow. You know, we have to grow from the pain we experience. If you don't listen to your pain and ask what it's trying to teach you, then you'll keep repeating it and and we'll call it fate when it's not fate. That's that's just, you know, um, unconscious ignorance in some sense. And I say that with compassion because I mean it to myself, too. You know, it's, uh, it's just that when we wake up to the reality of all the truths we know that we don't live by, 
it's painful because if you take responsibility for your whole life and you accept the truth that everything that has gotten into your life up until now got there because you said yes to it in some way, then you are free. You're finally yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Taking responsibility and accountability for the fact that your life is the way it is because of you. Whew. <laughs> that's some pretty, I mean, that's taking some real accountability. Yeah, it is. But it's necessary in order for you to evolve. Yeah, it absolutely is. Okay, Mark, which hurdle did you personally face and how did you overcome it? What's a big hurdle relationship-wise that you had to overcome? I mean, I learned a lot from my past relationship, holding space, being compassionate, calling someone forward, being called forward, humility, um, just so many different things. I mean, the greatest hurdle was probably getting over not wanting to be wrong or not wanting to have a flaw or not wanting to live in the pain of um, not having fully loved myself. And so, I mean, I think that is a... I mean, a hurdle that we all face is a sense of unworthiness and the unworthiness drives the car till it doesn't. And that's, I think that was a hurdle that I had to really learn when you're loved really well by someone as I was, uh, you are faced with all the parts of yourself that you don't believe are actually worthy of that. And so that sort of alchemizes when you experience the love of another person. Did that insight come to you as obvious or is it something that you stumbled upon based on the situations that presented themselves? I mean, it occurred over time. You know, I recognized when I was 35 before I ever dated Kylie that I was afraid of people loving me. And so as soon as I had that awareness, I turned towards it and said, I'm not going to choose anyone who's unavailable anymore, who has the slightest bit of unavailability. And then just started to welcome in receiving love, you know, like, standing at a conference and getting a standing ovation and like allowing it, receiving it, getting a compliment and saying thank you instead of, oh, no, I didn't, I got this. Oh, it's a hand-me-down. You know, like we do yeah. all these different ways where we don't receive. And so I just practiced receiving. And um, my past most recent relationship was a beautiful gift and healing the belief that I wasn't worthy of that. Oh, that's so sweet. And what's a limiting belief you had or have, and how did or are you overcoming it? Hmm. You know, I don't, I, right now I don't have any operating limiting beliefs that I know of. As soon as I learn something, I have a rule in my life that I change it. So for me, um, yeah, any, anything I become aware of, I change because that's a rule I made that I will always live at my highest level of knowledge. Um, but I had, you know, for sure, unconscious limiting beliefs about what I was worthy of, what about. Like, let's, walk, let's walk through that, because, I mean, that's a really when you say, like, I, you know, I didn't feel like I was worthy. Can you give my audience an example of, like, what the story was going through your head when you would get yourself into, say, an intimate and vulnerable situation? And then what would the story be that would be playing through your mind in that moment that you were saying, I'm not worthy? Like, what, what, would the, what was that process like for you? Well, I think anyone who is a giver in their relationship is someone who has a hard time receiving. So if you give a lot and you find yourself taking care of other people or dating projects or anything like that, we usually overgive because we don't like receiving. And so yeah. receiving requires worthiness. Giving doesn't. 
So the it's really that's where the rubber hits the road. So put in another context, um, if you are charging for a service, you might have a hard time charging for that service because you don't believe you're worthy of being compensated for the services you provide. Yeah. That was true for me. That's been true of my work. You know, I operate in an area where there's a large number of psychologists and I have lots of extensive training, but I don't have a master's degree in psychology. So there was a lot of imposter syndrome. There's always a new look like there's always a new arena that you're an imposter in. So the more I grow, the more that just changes. Um, but yeah. I'm, I'm always on my edge. I'm always loving on my edge and living on my edge. That's a rule that I live by, that everything I do has to require expansion. And oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that word. You keep using it, expansion, expansion, expansion. And I think fundamentally just always asking yourself when it comes to decisions in your life, like, is this allowing me to expand or is it going to close me off? Like, that's a really big just such a wonderful question to ask oneself. It's in, and I think that's the, the limiting beliefs can be like, for example, I grew up learning that people who are wealthy are bad. Not that anyone directly said that to me, but I grew up around poverty. So yeah. when I wanted to maintain a positive account balance in my bank account. I just couldn't, and I didn't know why. And well, when you get to the unconscious beliefs that you're not worthy of it and rich people are bad, then why would you ever want to have wealth? So just Absolutely. get it. Amazing. Not in that way, but amazing just insights that you've shared. And I really appreciate you sharing. Uh, what support or resources are available and what would your personal recommendations be as far as people who want to self-improve and also improve their relationships? And you're more than welcome to, this is your space to, you know, self-promote <laughs> if you'd like. I mean, gosh, if you're going through a breakup, I have the breakup course. If you're um, looking of that will be launching again in April. Um, I, I mean, my Instagram create the love. There's always so many resources on there. My podcast has so many different experts with so many different areas that I just keep wanting to share different people's messages. And I mean, gosh, there's so many good books out there and all of the authors I often have on the podcast. So there's lots of spaces to find ways to grow yourself. What I would say is find someone who resonates with you, who is already like you want to be, and go study their stuff and surround yourself with the greatest hack to expansion is surrounding yourself with people who are already expanded in the way you want to be. And then you'll just naturally emulate them because that's what we do. You'll pick up their mannerisms, you'll study their psychology, and you'll become like them. Amen. Oh my goodness. Thank you for sharing all of that, Mark. And what has been one life-changing or defining moment or time in your life? One moment that changed my life. Oh my gosh, I have so many. Uh, but I would say my engagement was the first time I woke up to thinking about how I think, thinking about who I am rather than just being. And that became like thinking about what I was taught, thinking about what shaped me. That was a really big deal for me. What does a successful relationship look like to you? Mm, communication and individuality. So the idea that you're your own person, they're their own person, and the relationship itself is a separate entity that must be nourished. Mm, okay. Because this is Pave Your Paradise podcast, what does paradise personally mean to you? Mm, freedom. 
freedom and peace, freedom to be oneself, which we create through our own boundaries and our own communication and peace being finding home within ourselves, being comfortable with ourselves, becoming best friends with ourselves. Mark, how can I and the audience best serve you? And what's the best way to find you? Oh, you can find me if you Google my name. I'm everywhere on there, um, Mark Rose. And if you uh, go to my Instagram, Create the Love, or on Facebook, if that's where you consume things. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just keep spreading the love, keep doing personal growth, keep growing yourself and healing yourself, and everything comes from there. Mark, it has been such an amazing pleasure to have you on the podcast today. And I will just give a little bump up for your Instagram. It's amazing. If y'all are not following Mark on Instagram, create the love, please do, because he has so many wonderful words of wisdom about relationships and connection on it. So please follow him again, Mark. Thank you for sharing your story and for sharing how you've paved your personal path to paradise with my audience today. Mm, Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining me. If there's anyone you know who you think could benefit from hearing today's episode, it would mean the world if you'd share it with them. Love what you heard? Then please subscribe. If you really love what you heard, then please leave a review with your honest and loving thoughts. This podcast wouldn't be possible without your support. If you feel called to, please make contributions to my podcast fund that helps me to keep it going strong, bringing on amazing guests for you, and to continue the ripple effect of spreading goodness in the world. I appreciate you, your time, and your energy, and I love hearing from you, so drop me a line on social media. As always, I'm wishing you a positive day and your own piece of paradise. Until next time, sending you love and light and keep shining.